0: hey guys welcome to rock and roll heaven the podcast where we talk about the lives careers and deaths of famous musicians i am your host ld with me is will the thrill hello and tj Two. Did you just open up a beer?
2: I'm not drinking. I, re- I resent the insinuation.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't tolerate that around here. So, yeah. The, so I'm a once professional.
0: Again, once again, this is a professional are, program. Good <laughs> God. This is going to be impossible. We're talking about country music stars, so of course my brother has to have a beer out of a can. It's
3: understandable.
0: Are you just going to have like Tell a, me you're a drinking drink? pearl.
3: Tell me you're drinking Pearl.
2: Yes. <laughs> are you Really? No, I've never had a pearl in my life. Oh, that would be
4: fantastic.
0: <laughs> oh God, uh, I, I feel. Would well, like that be pearl from a like pearl
2: like from a can and Jack Daniel's black and you chewed yeah. tobacco from a mail pouch sack?
0: There you go. Oh boy. See, I, are you just gonna have like a theme drink every time we do an episode? Now I'm totally fine with this, but if you're gonna start something, you should finish it.
2: Well, I mean, the first two episodes I thought were just crackerjack and went so well, I didn't see any reason to change what was working. You know, it's like not changing your underwear when you're in a hidden streak. As Definitely. opposed to me who doesn't change his underwear because he's just dirty <laughs> and doesn't care.
0: So, Life is a
3: hitting streak for you, sir.
0: <laughs> so uh, if you guys haven't noticed, we're still uh, on the, the Zoom calling, the Zoom recording, because my brother doesn't know how to use an SD card.
2: But Penicillin'll clear it right up is my understanding,
0: <laughs> anyway, how we we really apologize for the episode being late, but last week, I'm pretty sure was the week from the home of Hades for most people. I know it was for me you t j had a, an earthquake, yes,
2: yeah, my first one, my first earthquake and, and how did it go? Um, short, sure, it was actually based in Sparta, North Carolina, which is up near the Virginia border. So we're a goodly ways away from it, but it I, it woke me up.
3: Yeah, it,
0: it made
2: my it made it made one of my dogs bark.
3: Well, it's odd because living in California, you get sort of an immunity to earthquake, a tolerance, I should say. No, except so for, the except big for ones, ones will wake you. Four
0: thirty, yeah. I think, like what, maybe five days, but like maybe oh, a no, weekish. Oh, crazy, yeah. We yeah. had a four point two, but it was based like five miles away from where we record, where we live, right. and we. Uh, initially thought it was the cats fighting at like four thirty in the morning. And we're like, Oh no, there's things falling off of stuff and we're moving. And so, uh, that was, that was fun. That was, that was a lot of fun. But yeah, my, uh, last week was not fun because my boss had basically a stroke in front of me. So I had to take over all the, dudes. Oh yikes. I mean it was it was bad and so I kind of fell down on the episode but luckily TJ2 and my husband are both incredible writers and uh, Mr. T hey, hey, you're Mr. T. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh wrote, wrote this episode. Spid-
2: we're the spitting image of one another. <laughs> <laughs> Can't tell them apart. Every time I say it it's like I'm looking in a mirror.
0: But uh, so thank you guys. So today we're actually going to talk about somebody who I think had a ton of songs that I loved when I was growing, like my high school years, when I was actually like super into country is Mr. Joseph Diffie. Yep. Mr. Joe yep. Diffie. Joe Diffie was born Joseph Logan Diffie, which is a cool name. Uh, if, yeah. he, if he'd gone by that though, do you think you would have been a serial killer?
2: Yeah. Any, any three name thing is, is usually creepy.
0: Like Henry. Bad,
2: bad results.
0: Who are you trying to figure out? No, I'm just
3: trying to think of what what other professions would be, you know, appropriate for someone with that three name.
2: If Yeah, three names is bad. And if your middle name is like Wayne, Lee, or Ray. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those are, yeah.
3: I could see someone, Joe Logan Divy being an astronaut. That seems to track.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, you got to be a singer.
3: Singer, astronaut, serial killer. Those are your options.
0: Yeah. He was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And then you initially had left this out, and I don't know why you left this out, but he was born on December 28th, 1958.
2: So he shares the birthday with our mother.
0: With our mom. It's mom's yeah. birthday. I was like, why would you leave that out? We can talk about our mom.
2: <laughs> I'm sure she'd be tickled for, given how it started. So given given our start, I imagine she'd probably like, let's just assume we not mention her, but.
0: <laughs> she's uh right now she's currently taking us out of the will.
2: So. Right
0: as soon as she figures out how to use the the purple button on her phone we are in so much
3: trouble when she gets legal to him it's all over
0: (laughs) uh his family moved to san antonio texas when he was in the first grade and subsequently to washington where he attended fourth and fifth grades later he moved to wisconsin for the years that he was in sixth grade through the second year of high school and then back to oklahoma where he attended high school in velma so he moved a lot
3: yeah, and to odd places. I mean, Washington, then Wisconsin, then Oklahoma. It's all over the place. God, but
0: he's just been cold his whole life. Yeah, yeah. So. And I th-
2: if I, I think if I if I remember uh, correctly, I I think it was it was for work for his father, right? His his dad had to move a lot for whatever it is he did for a living, which was a couple of things, as I recall.
0: Yeah, and so did Diffie, but we'll get into that in a second, which. Uh, So in his last two years of high school, he actually played football, baseball, and golf in addition to running track. I ran track. I wasn't good at it, but I did it.
2: Uh, As did I. And surprisingly, I am not as fast as you might imagine.
0: (laughs) What? I know. The the Southern Adonis? I
2: I know that's a shocker because I know you look at me and you think sprinter. But uh, as it turns out, I'm slow and I can't jump.
3: Weird. Track was a poor fit in hindsight.
0: Well, I see, when I was growing up, I was like eighty-two pounds. So I was like perfect.
3: And then he played he played golf. Actually, Joe Logan Diffie'd be a great golfer name, wouldn't he? Yes, it would be. A actually, great that would that's actually a pretty, pretty good
0: golfer name. Yeah. But he so in his senior year he's actually recognized as the best all round male athlete, which is something that you will never be, T. <laughs> not if I
2: went to not not if I was homeschooled.
0: <laughs> and was I'm, the only
2: child in the in the home class.
0: Now I'm not I'm not gonna say that Will is a fantastic athlete, but he's the only one in our household that's run more than one marathon.
3: Yeah, but to be fair, to to Travis's point, I kind of had the market cornered on that
0: one. Uh,
3: yeah. No one else is really up for Let's go 26.2 miles, everyone.
0: Well, no, I did do a 5K dressed as a T-Rex. Which was an accomplishment. Yeah. I feel like I deserve some sort of petting, And there is video evidence of this. Yep, there is. Uh his first musical performance came at age fourteen when he performed in his Hint Don Anita's country music band uh Joe Diffie's father Joe R played guitar and banjo, and his mother sang, which is like it that's kind of like the upbringing that Johnny Cash had, right
2: somewhat yeah,
0: yeah, kind um, of a
2: sort of a musical family,
0: yeah, a lot of people that we've talked about have come from musical families. But following in his mother's footsteps, Diffie began to sing at an early age, often listened to the albums from his father's record collection, which included such country legends as uh, Lefty Frizzell, Johnny Cash, there it is, Merle Haggard. And although he also loved the energy of rock and roll after seeing live performances from ZZ Top and Boss, I love Boston. Uh, Were they overplayed? I mean, I feel like every
3: Boston song is overdone.
2: Oh, yeah, Entirely.
0: Oh yeah, but uh, more than a feeling. I mean, God, come it's so on. So overdone. Come on, that that makes me happy.
2: But but if but he saw ZZ Top too, which, yeah. which I'm more okay. in favor of.
0: So Diffie has said that his mom and dad claimed that he could sing harmony when he was three years old. Huh.
2: So kind of a prod, sort of a prodigy.
0: Yeah, or just some really proud parents. Yeah. Either way, after graduating, he attended Cameron University in Lawton, Oklahoma. And although initially he earned credits toward medical school, he decided against a medical profession after marrying for the first time in 1977.
2: Dr. Diffie, there you, you go. <laughs> yeah. As I started, as I started, as we, we we you know kind of went over some of the the facts that we uncovered in this one. Yeah. I, if if you had you I would have been. Less surprised if you told me that you gave birth to a live turkey. <laughs> than Joe Diffie initially went to medical school.
0: <laughs> also, could you imagine, like, this is your doctor, Mr. Diffie? Yeah, Dr. Diffie. <clears throat> Dr. Diffie, and uh, he's going to be performing <clears throat> surgery today?
2: Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, that I, I did not say that one coming, got to be honest with you.
3: It kind of sounds like the the moniker for, like, the puppet they bring in to calm kids down. Like, it's Dr. Diffie. You know? <laughs> Drop me hi, up Dad, beside hi, the, the jukebox.
0: If I die, what? Yeah. So, uh, anyway, he dropped out of he dropped out of school. So, but I mean, you know, he turned out to be Joe Diffie, so it's okay. Yeah, the story ends. The story ends. No, I mean, yet. yeah, it ends the way it ends on every episode of the show. Yes. Um, but he worked. He first worked in oil fields, and then he drove a truck that pumped concrete into the oil field in alice texas before he... i wonder any
2: country singer uh, uh, <clears throat> is there any famous popular country singer you can think of who grew up like with wealthy parents and had a butler and i mean like they all worked in like oil fields and ranches and ran cattle and
0: that's how you write a good song though yeah unless you're john prine who doesn't even need to have a divorce before he writes about divorce
2: Right, who could yeah, who could like eat a bowl of alphabets and crap out better songs than most people could,
0: <laughs> yep, they are.
2: could write if they tried, but no, it's just it's just weird that not weird, it actually kind of makes sense, so many popular country songs, which is seen as like kind of the common person's music and salt of the earth music, that most of the people who did it at some point had to actually work hard,
0: yeah, yeah, I they, like. I and I think that's why they have such an honest voice when it comes to like country music is because yeah they were living that life
3: and, and I think yeah. it was the kind of thing where it was that or like you said life in the oil field you know retire as a coal miner so those are the right. two options pick up a guitar or you know
2: but also, like I, can, <laughs> I can I can I can learn to sing or I can break I can rocks yeah. a, I can keep a work in this cotton gin exactly yeah hmm, let me think but that's also <laughs> yeah. the
0: thing is like number one. Most really good songs come out of work. You know, music is is really truly rooted in getting your hands dirty. So he moved back to Duncan to work in a foundry, which we looked that up, and it's a place that makes metal metal castings. Metal castings. Okay. Uh, during this period, he worked as a musician on the side, first in a gospel group called Higher Purpose, and then a bluegrass band called Special Edition. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. So he began touring with Special Edition in the adjacent states, which we figured out were probably Nebraska mm-hmm. and some and other Texas. Places. Yeah,
2: yeah. Wait, Texas would make sense because there's a huge, you know, market for for country music there. So,
0: well, this is bluegrass.
2: Yeah, which so. is kind of a a, a splinter a splinter off of of country. They're 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 cousins at least.
0: Yeah. Well, they're in the same like they're on the same side of the Venn diagram. Yeah. And then he sent. Demo tapes to publishers in Nashville. So he's actually, he actually built his own recording studio. He's now touring and he's sending out his demos to folks in Nashville. So like he's already got the trajectory of like going for country music rather than attempting to do stuff like send his stuff to Bob Keane, who we all know is in California. Right. So Hank Thompson recorded Diffie's Love on the Rocks and Randy Travis put one of Diffie's songs on hold, but he ultimately did not record it.
2: And that, that see, right there would have been a huge break for him early because we're we're assuming this is probably mid-late 80s when, at this point, Randy Travis is a phenom. Oh, oh yeah. Him, if he, had he actually recorded one of Diffie's songs, I mean, that, that could have jump-started his career even earlier.
0: Absolutely. But that does tell you, like, the caliber of talent that Joe Diffie has early on because if Randy Travis has gotten a hold of one of his tracks... And liked
2: <laughs> it enough to put it on hold, even if he didn't uh, ultimately cut it.
0: He yeah. got his attention. Yeah. He got his attention. So after the foundry closed in 1986, Diffie declared bankruptcy and sold the studio out of financial necessity. He also divorced his wife, who left with their two children. Diffie spent several months in a state of depression before deciding to move to Nashville. Uh, there he took a job at Gibson Guitar Corporation. I'm wondering if that's like the um, the retail showroom or like the actual place where the guitars are built.
2: I think they I think that's where they actually make the guitars.
0: Okay. Yeah, sounds right. Uh, he went to Music City with a five-year plan initially, but it was on the verge of moving home with a conversation with his dad it changed his destiny. Best advice I ever got from my dad, if he recalls. He said, if you don't have a goal, you don't have anything to shoot at. Do something every day toward your music. Write a song or play your guitar. I took that to heart and made sure I did something every day, whether it was big or little. I remember getting out of bed one time because I had forgotten to do something toward my music. I actually got up, got my guitar, played for a few minutes, then went back to bed. I felt like I actually had to do something with the success I've managed to achieve. I think it would apply in anything. I live, breathe, ate, slept music all the time. I was so obsessed with it. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. The idea that he hears his dad's voice, like, uh, Joe, you didn't do anything today. And I mean, he felt like, oh, crap. And he got up out of bed and played his guitar for like two minutes. I'm like, all right, there we go. And he went back to sleep. Yeah.
3: And bear in mind something. He's still under 30 years old, okay? Uh-huh. So he's gone through massive career change, divorce, bankruptcy. I mean, that's a lot of life. He's worked
2: oil, worked oil fields, worked, worked in a oil foundry, oil worked in a, I mean, running a concrete truck. Moved five times. This is a quite lot. a life he's led already. Yeah, it's a lot of experience. He's, he's 28
0: right now. Our our timestamp is 86. So he is Jeez. 28. This,
2: I, I this do, man lived a rich life up, up to that point, no doubt.
0: Plus he's got a five-year plan, which I didn't even think was a thing in the 80s, but, you know. Ahead of his time. Yeah.
2: But he's 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 really close to getting to, to, to his big break now.
0: Yeah, the first break came when Holly Dunn, Recorded "There Goes My Heart Again" and ask him to sing the harmonies. Uh, I remember going to the mailbox one time, and getting the first check from that song. I was like, "Holy crap! I need to write more songs." <laughs> I haven't seen much, that much money in my whole life. I can't. So, he,
2: so he gets his first, he gets his first taste of like publishing money since yeah. he wrote that song and he sang um, background on it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's like literally, he had never made that much money in his whole life,
0: which is incredible. Yeah. I don't, I don't actually know how much you get for writing songs i don't i don't know what not as
2: much as you used to but at that back back then if you if you wrote if you pinned a big hit it was very lucrative
0: while still working at gibson he contacted a songwriter and recorded more demos including a song that would later be recorded by ricky van shelton i know that name Uh, in alabama oh my god whatever happened to alabama
2: and well and again. If you have Alabama cutting one of your songs in the late '80s, you're that's you're on your way up big time. By mid
0: 1989, he quit working at the company to record demos full time. I'm wondering if, like, by demos, when when this article that I pulled it from, the demos actually means like scratch tracks, which if our audience doesn't know, it's like a a boiled down version of the songs with like the harmonies, melodies. And then vocals that you can sing.
2: Well, I think I th- I think in 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 Nashville parlance, um, I think that would mean that um, somebody wrote a song, they want to pitch it to people, but they need to actually send them a version of somebody singing it. So he so basically he you know Trisha Yearwood got her start that way, and I think Garth sang demos early as well. I think that's where Garth and Trisha actually met, but is singing a demo together. But yeah, you would so basically it's like. Hey, I wrote this song and I'm going to pitch it to such and such and such and such and such and such. Uh, you want to come sing it for me? I'll pay you 50 bucks.
0: So then Diffie also met Debbie, who later became his second wife. That same year, Diffie was contacted by Bob Montgomery, a songwriter and record producer known for working with Buddy Holly. Yep. Montgomery, who was then the vice president of a at epic records he said that he wanted to sign diffie to a contract with the label but he actually had to put the singer on hold for a year following the success of there goes my heart again though diffie signed with epic early in 1990 so now we're getting kind of up to where he's about to hit it big
2: right and and just to get kind of give people um a little bit of an overview who don't remember this point in time in country music what he was walking into was um you had Uh, what was called the new country or young country movement where you had country radio kind of purged older artists from the 60s and 70s who had continued on to have you know success in the 1980s which basically means that Waylon Jennings Willie Nelson Johnny Cash Hank Jr. and guys like that disappeared from radio playlists around this time and they started to play you know younger artists newer artists and you had this group called the the uh, Class of '89 that was Garth Brooks, Alan Jackson, Clint Black, and Travis Tripp. All four of those guys had their first hit songs in 1989, and this that they and a couple of others that would come along a little bit later started to elevate country music to a point where those four were selling albums on par with like the biggest pop and rock artists. Of that era. I mean, they they were selling uh, like unholy amounts of, of records, especially for for country artists, Which I mean, country has always had a dedicated fan base, but it really started to break huge then. You also about this time, but because partly because of the popularity of those people, country became the number one radio format in the United States. About this uh, this time or shortly thereafter, so every artist anybody who signed with a twang and had some fiddle playing behind them pretty much got big time airplay on a bajillion radio stations. They got much more publicity uh, and, uh, you know, a lot more airtime than they would have uh, previously. And people who a couple of years before that would have had a, could have maybe had a nice little career suddenly started selling like gold and platinum. They would sell out the same gigantic, you know, the Enormo dome (laughs) basically places that, Aerosmith and the Eagles and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers would sell out you know Garth Brooks would go sell the, the same place out the next week
4: oh, well, and that had not
2: really happened previously so that, that just that's just kind of to give you a thumbnail of what the country music landscape was like at this point when Diffie was walking in so 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 he's about to, to do put his first album out now Diffie, yeah, is.
0: which is actually the 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 label released Diffie's debut album A Thousand Winding Roads at the end of 1990, with Montgomery and John Slade as the producers. The first single, Home, reached the top of the Billboard Hot Country Songs chart. And the song actually reached number one on the country music charts, published by Radio and Records and The Gavin Report, making him the first country music artist to have a number one debut single on all three charts, as well as the first country music artist to have a debut single spend more than one week in the number one position. At the latter two publications.
3: Wow. And I think TJ, this is the point where was Randy Travis got the call that said, We got your song on the top forty. And he said, Well, get it off.
2: <laughs> yeah. Hey, you you made the pop charts. Yeah. Well, well, can you get me off? You get me off? Yeah. Yeah. Was, yes, right around the same time. But so 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 Diffie has a big hit right out of the box, obviously.
0: Yeah, he actually co-wrote the album's second and fourth releases. If you want me to, and a new way to light up an old flame, both peaked at number two on Billboard's, and the former reached number one on the P the RPM Country Music Charts in Canada. Which yeah. That's not a, that's not two words that uh, you hear very often together. Um, country music and Canada. Except for Gordon Lightfoot,
2: uh, there actually is a pretty uh, a, a pretty country. Uh, He's Canadian. Country actually is fairly popular up there, but um, I, I would also tell you. One of the people vocally that Diffie was always compared to was the great George Jones. Oh, we'll get and there. And I'm going to tell we'll you that new way to light up an old flame is where he sounds vocally the most like George Jones because you know George would have those, and I'm I'm not a vocal coach or anything, but those scoops and those dips where he would go really high and really low, really fast. Or, you know, it, it almost kind of a yodel where he, he would be like. <laughs> way growly low and you go way high. Diffie kind of does that on this song where his, his his voice will go like way up and then way low and way up and way low and kind of a kind of yodel, but not completely.
0: Yeah, I kind of I dig what you're saying, but let's actually listen to it. Okay. And we will we will go on this trip together. A new way to light up an old flame. Here we are.
5: me a new way to light up an old flame With a little bit of luck and a hug There's gonna be a big change I got a strong desire to start the kind of fire That'll burn through a pouring rain I'm gonna find me a new way to light up an old flame I've had all that I can stand I got roses in my hand And old oh, feelings.
2: So so you see what I'm talking about there. Very
4: Absolutely. very
2: Jonesian with yes. the with the, the 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 high you know where he reaches up for those high notes and then all of a sudden just dips down into the low end of his register and stuff.
3: I think uh Garth borrowed a few of those tricks too, didn't he?
2: He yeah, and for like uh two of a kind working on a full house. He yeah. he kinda does that in a couple of places, oh, yeah. yeah. But that's one of the songs where to me Dippy, and he'll end up being compared to to the possum a couple of times in his career, but that's one of the songs that really vocally he re- really does kind of sound like. it.
0: Yeah. So between these two songs, it's a devil danced in empty pockets became Diffie's second billboard. Number one. So he had new way to light up an old flame. And if the devil danced in empty pockets, those were the, the two billboard so, number ones. So he's yeah, like-
2: both off his, both off of his debut album.
0: Yeah. Out the gate, Ooh. he's got two number one hits. That's right. huge. Uh-huh. Uh the album itself peaked at number twenty three on the country albums. But like you have to think though that this is pre internet. Like this is this is like album sales where they would actually sell like you had to go into Walmart and buy the single.
2: Well, and see okay, and here's another thing. This is nineteen ninety. 1990. In nineteen ninety one is when Billboard sort of rolled out uh the sound scan system. every album had a little barcode on it and when you bought it it would be zapped with a little gun so they had accurate totals for the first time of how many albums were being sold and 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 by whom do you know how they did it before sound scan
0: actually yeah because they would call record stores and ask them how many did they think they sold
2: yep literally they would call record stores and say so uh what y'all sell this week biggin and you know you and so which is totally unscientific <laughs> because you know that they were every week they would call the biggest record store in New York and Los Angeles and Chicago and all that stuff, and they weren't calling probably the Walmart in Chester, South Carolina, where we grew up. they weren't calling Sky City and they weren't they weren't calling truck stops and Bell. gas stations, which would have the little racks of k tail tapes, oh yeah, back then yeah. so but it it was probably skewed because they would go to they would i'm sure always call the bigger stores in the bigger markets right yeah so once the sound scan came into being all of a sudden you know they people see that like oh crap wow these country artists are selling a bajillion records and there, there's a school of thought that they always did and it was just always underrepresented because of how unscientific the charts were before yeah a little, off, a little bit off topic but just this we're, we're almost there at this point because we're, we're talking about 1990 right here yeah like
0: in 1990 Diffie was actually performing his first concert touring yeah. with Steve Warner and George Strait so he's in company yeah.
2: so yeah okay like like so yeah your first gig your first album comes out you have two number ones and you're opening for George Strait that's a pretty good year
0: you're doing okay you're doing okay yeah. yeah that same year Cashbox named him male vocalist of the year and in 1991 Diffie co-wrote the tracks living on what's left of your love and memory lane on his label mate, Keith Palmer's debut album. Uh, So he's
2: a, he's a a fairly prolific songwriter early too. then.
0: Yeah. His second album, regular Joe, which I'm pretty sure I bought, Mm -hmm. uh, was released in 1992 and was certified gold by the recording industries association of America. The first two singles from the album, both peaked at number five on billboard. It's cold in here and ships that don't come in with the latter reaching number one on radio and records. Ships That Don't Come In was co-written by Dave Gibson and uh, was also recorded on Epic at the same time as a member of the Gibson Miller Band. The album's third single, Next Thing Smoking," made its chart debut one month before Too Much To Ask, a duet that, that Diffie recorded with, oh, Mary Chapin Carpenter.
2: Yeah, Not Too Much To Ask. It was Yeah, that was a, a duet the two of those did.
0: I love Mary Chapin Carpenter. That used to be my go to. She used to have my go to karaoke song.
2: He thinks he'll keep her? No. Passionate Kisses?
0: Nope. I feel lucky. Uh, oh. Do we like that song?
2: No it's, no, it's good. I like Mary Chapin. When I was a country music DJ, I would play a little clip from uh, Quitting Time at the end of my shift. Ah. <laughs> Yeah, but Not Too Much To Ask was a a duet, the two of those did, and that was actually on on her album, Come On, Come On, which was, I'm going to guess, was probably her biggest record,
0: Uh, probably. Yeah, yeah. Both these songs made the country top 20, respectively, reaching 16 and 15, and the duet was nominated for a Grammy Award for the Best Country Collaboration with Vocals at the 35th Grammy Awards in 1993, and that's like... Three years into his career. Sure. Right. Right. Five years prior, he was
3: working in a foundry. Yeah. (laughs) Right.
2: He's working and pumping concrete or whatever. So the funny thing, and this is another person I know that you liked, LD, and you're not going to tell your husband you did, David Kirsch. Joe Diffie actually wrote uh, the ballad Goodnight, Sweetheart, and it was on regular Joe, but was not released as a single.
0: Yeah, it was a top 10 hit for for David It was a
2: huge hit for David Kirsch a couple of years later. Yeah, and I, think, nine, I nine. think that takes us up to a paid endorseee.
0: <laughs> so, uh, hold tight, guys. We're going to cut to commercial to pay a couple bills, and we will be right back. That cold case you're listening to? Nasty stuff. But you know what else is a crime? Missing even a moment of whatever you're doing to go on a drink run. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered in under 60 minutes. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's dot com. today. Welcome back to the show, guys. Uh, if you want to support our show, you can support us by supporting them.
2: When we went to break there, we were talking about Joe Diffie's second album, Regular Joe. It got pretty uh, positive reviews, correct?
0: Yes, yeah. I I mean, it was up for a Grammy. So, uh Brian Mansfield gave the album positive reviews in All Music, saying that it has all the cliches of country music and all the good stuff too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That is a wonderful review.
0: That's a great line.
2: (laughs) If you ever really listen to Joe Diffie, the dude could sing. He had he had real vocal range.
0: Yeah, Vince Gill actually said there there are plenty of singers in the town, but not many with a range like his. And that's huge coming from Vince Gill. Yeah,
2: yeah. that's Vince Freaking Gill saying that.
0: Man, Vince Gill, I remember thinking Vince Gill was so pretty. Who did he marry? Yeah.
4: Vince Gill.
2: <laughs> Amy Grant. Thank you. Oh, that's who it was. Uh-huh. All right. So um we've talked about his first two albums, but people might be wondering, like, well, what would a, a Joe Diffie concert be like at this time? Well, we actually found a review of a show of his from 1991 where the LA times uh, noted quote in his first crazy house, crazy horse steakhouse appearance, Monday singer Joe Diffie's voice proved a tremendous combination of George Jones, Merle Haggard, and Buck Owens. So (laughs) a veritable um, Mount Rushmore of country music there. Yeah. Um, the the reviewer said, quote, his vocal range shades from a rich baritone to a supple tenor. And like Jones, he has a knack for making unfettered monkey in the branches leaps through his whole range. On ballads, his voice takes on Haggard's crusty character and weathered perspective. His up tempo numbers have Owens's drive and humor, sometimes laced with some of Jones's I'm a people goofiness. So, you know, the the... the the reviewer there uh, makes a a couple of little cracks talking about monkeys jumping off tree branches or whatever. But if you're talking about an up and coming country singer and you compare them to George Jones, Merle Haggard and Buck Owens, Holy crap. I think most people would take that. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: hopping back to 1993, that was like a, a really interesting one for Diffie because on the one hand, he received the honor of being inducted into the Grand Ole Opry. Which every time that is mentioned, I will bring up the fact that I actually got to stand in the circle at the Grand Ole Opry. Oh, wow. That is impressive.
2: LD stood in a circle in Nashville, and that's all that anybody needs to know, okay?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was actually really cool because they uh, they brought out a, a microphone. And I remember yeah. the picture being taken. So like I've gotta I've gotta talk to mom about finding this picture so I could post but, it on social well, media. Well,
2: but the point is is you stood on the exact same spot that Elvis Presley and Hank Williams and Yep every every giant titan of country music in the history of the genre ever stood on.
0: Yep. So, and I cannot sing a note.
2: So yeah, got that going for you, which is nice. <laughs>
0: yeah. Gunga gadunga. Is that what it is that Gunga
2: Gunga Galunga.
0: Gunga Galanga.
2: Um, yeah. So uh, so anyway, so he's inducted into the Opry, but along with the benefits of selling more records and getting more airplay comes a downside, which L.D. is going to talk about.
0: And that is if you somehow get any monochrome of fame, you will end up having your personal life splashed all over the the, the supermarket checkout stands. Mm-hmm. Uh He was on his second marriage, and that's to Debbie and and he had two kids however according to the book miracle bobby allison and the saga of the alabama gang author peter oh god golenbach good lord describes the origin of diffie's 1993-1994 love affair with liz allison the widow of dave allison
2: yeah for those who don't know davey allison was a very popular and very successful nascar driver who at this time uh, died in a, a, a horrible, tragic uh, helicopter crash.
0: Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Um, and then he wrote that ahead of Davy's funeral, Liz had called Diffie's office seeking the sheet music to the Ships That Don't Come In, favorite of Davies. Diffie had met Davy and Liz a couple of times before he offered to sing at Davy's funeral. In the months that followed, much to the chagrin of Debbie Allison's family and friends, Liz sought solace in what evolved into a close relationship with Diffie. Read between the lines, right? The feelings were reciprocated. Those feelings were reciprocated, leaving Debbie Jones to file for legal separation, followed by a divorce that became finalized in 1996. The songwriter was ordered to pay $3,000 per month to cater to their divorce element, which was pending. And the couple fully divorced that year, which was 1996. So, three thousand dollars. How much was Charlie Sheen supposed to pay?
2: Oh, oh yeah. I mean, it's, this this that, this is a it's a pittance compared to some things. But you know, thirty six thousand dollars a year in 1993 or 94. I, I mean, you yeah, know, it's not certainly not chump change.
3: I think Charlie Sheen was paying something in tune of like eight grand a month in child support or
0: something. I mean, three thousand dollars a month is still a lot. Mm-hmm.
2: But al- along with that comes the fact, LD, that um he puts out another album. This one being Honky Tonk Attitude, which Oh I this definitely This is about the time this, this is about the time I started working in Country Radio and this is about his commercial peak really.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh Honky Tonk Attitude shipped a million copies in the US and it was certified platinum, obviously. The first three singles from the album, reached the top 10 on the the country singles chart. Title track, which Diffie actually co-wrote, and the Dennis Lynn composition, John Deere Green both peaked at number five with the number three, Prop Me Up Beside the Jukebox, If I Die, in between. Uh, John Deere Green also accounted for Diffie's appearance on the Billboard Hot 100, where it peaked at number 62.
2: This is his first. This is this was when he had his Randy Travis moment of actually making the pop charts. Yeah. John Deere Green peaked at number 69 on the uh, pop charts.
0: And we are going to listen to John Deere Green right now because it is an awesome song. So here we go. I do, too. Oh my. I'm going to
2: tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. Diffie is a guy who ends up getting pigeonholed as being, oh, he's the guy with the mullet that did the kind of funny songs. First of all, you can go back as far as you want to in country music. There's always been a spot for those kind of humorous, wink and a nod, tongue-in-cheek, stereotypical kind of funny songs like, like the one we just heard. Um, you can go all the way back to like Roger Miller doing Chuggalug and um uh, what some of the other ones? Drop Kick Me Jesus to the goalpost of life and wow. You're the reason our kid you're the reason our kids are ugly and stuff. There's always been a place. I, I, you're,
0: I'm my I'm my own grandpa. Nice. There's always been a spot for
2: in country music for songs like we just heard. Yeah. It's like, yeah, a little stereotypical, little cheesy, little funny, but it's a good song. There's nothing wrong with
0: that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It, it's, it's, it's the country equivalent of do why diddy huh. in my oh. opinion,
0: man, stop bringing up man for man's <laughs> Earth band. Why, why must you bring up man for man's Earth band every,
2: well, but you day? know what I'm saying? That's kind of a, that's kind of a lie, little song or whatever, but there's nothing wrong with that. There should always, there should always be a place for songs like that. In my opinion.
0: Yep. In my own backyard was the last release from honky tonk attitude, which reached number 19 on the country charts. Diffie told the Fort Worth Star Telegram that the album was a little rowdier than the first two. I tend to agree. Like, but but a lot of times what you do is you put out a ballad. You put out the ballad first, and then you work your way into the other stuff. I mean, right. that's just that's just kind of the 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 way to go. Nash rated the album more favorably than the other ones before it saying Diffie is maturing into a first rate interpreter of working class woes. Ah, also in 1993, Diffie, along with several other artists, he actually won his first
2: uh, CMA award, right? Yep, in
0: 1993.
2: I think that one was for Vocal Event of the Year for the George Jones song "I Don't Need Your Rocking Chair," which you you probably remember. There were, it was it was a it was Possum, but then it was a bunch of other people.
0: Yeah, he also continued having success as a songwriter. Tim McGraw also included two of Diffie's songs on his 1993 album another version of memory memory lane which he released as a single and tears in the rain so he is not only a recording artist in his own right with all these accolades and and hitting those top spots on the charts but he's also a pretty prolific songwriter too
2: right still still writing songs and still has people cutting his stuff including tim mcgraw who um Two songs, two two of Diffie's songs are on his debut album, and he's, you know, a a few years later would be among the biggest stars in the genre, pretty much.
0: I think he's still a massive star.
2: No, oh, yeah, he is still huge, and his wife's hot. (laughs) Not that that has anything to do with anything.
0: It's not, it's Faith Hill. Yeah, Faith Hill. She is. Are they still married? Gorgeous.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, they've been married. Hey,
2: hey, Tim. Good job, buddy. Yeah, well done. Nice
0: job, man. Third Rock from the Sun was Diffie's highest-charting top country album. we we'll reached number six, as well as his second consecutive platinum album. So, I mean, he's banging out hits, man.
2: Sure, big uh, time.
0: Yeah, and this album included two consecutive number one hits, which were Pick Up Man. So, he's got Third Rock from the Sun and Pick Up Man. The latter of those two songs was Diffie's longest-lasting number one, Four Weeks. And, I mean, that's a feat. It two is. Keep it number one for four weeks.
2: And bo- both of those songs also entered the pop Hot 100.
0: Yeah, which, again, is weird.
2: A, a big, great. it's a big, it was, a, at that time, This it, it's very common now, but it was a big deal then. Um, but Third Rock from the Sun got to number 84. But then Pickup Man actually got to number 60. Now, um,
0: okay, wait, am I having a fever dream, or was that in an Applebee's commercial?
2: Uh, it was, yes, y- yes, it was used. <laughs> Uh, by Applebee's they sort of repurposed it it was a little bit of a different uh, version Uh, and then I want to say was it Ford one of one of the Uh, one of the American car companies used that as as their uh, theme song for a
0: while Ford or Chevy or something yeah 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 you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna play third rock from the sun right now because I'm itching to hear this song and we might come back to pick up man later on I don't know it is we've been talking about Joe Diffie in real time for about three hours now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> sure have.
0: Yep. So here's dirt rock from the sun. I love this song. Okay.
5: She walks into smoke. He's one hip at a time. Like a broken field runner. Slipping through the line. He likes the way she looks. So he calls a little wife. Says don't wait up for me. I'll be working late tonight. Why well, paint up the phone. Sister up and cries, get over here Sister tells her boyfriend, be back in a while Boyfriend wants a beer, the store is just a mile He leaves the motor running, he'll only be a minute His car drives away with teenagers in it The driver tells his buddies, got one life to live They scream into the night, let's get it over with Cause and effect Chain of events, all of the chaos makes perfect sense when you're spinning round things coming down. Welcome to Earth, third rock. Hits a big boy in the Shoney's parking lot Who flies through the air, takes out the bank clock Clock strikes a light pole, transformer sparks Lines go downtown, goes dark Waitress calls a cop, says she saw it all Swears a giant alien has landed at the mall Cops ring up the mayor, says there's panic in the streets We hate to wake you up, but we can't find the chief Says use your head if he ain't in his car He's hiding from his wife Down in Smokey's bar Cause and effect Chain of events All of the chaos makes perfect sense When you're spinning round
0: i
2: love that song <laughs> uh brings back good memories yeah the, so that one and pickup man were both huge huge hits uh the next one was uh and i remember this song it was i'm in love with a capital u i think yeah
0: and then uh right after that it was the road not taken
2: uh those two reached number 21 and number 40 on the chart so the the, the two later singles not as big as the first two but those those first two those mammoth
0: still huge they're still used they're still yes. popular like those those two God Diffie Diffy in the 90s man mm-hmm. yeah this but,
2: this is this is his commercial yeah. peak absolutely and um, I know that one was uh, for the most part uh, crit, uh, critically well received wasn't it
0: uh, yeah because he started adding more rock flourishes on the album uh, Nash said that Diffie not only understands the blue collar ethics from inside out he's also familiar with its humorous underbelly and that is a right. quote i didn't i didn't make that up and that was a copy and paste from somewhere else um but yeah i mean like you can see his humor and that that is something that a lot of country music artists take themselves i this is my opinion strictly opinion i feel like a lot of musical artists in general just take themselves too seriously and that's sure. when like when eminem came out with his slim shady lp like, that was that was supposed to be funny and then people are like pearl clutching and like yeah now and he was just like i got the humor in it and then other people are like oh lord yeah. and, and well yeah but humor. like i said earlier
2: like i said though earlier country has always been a genre where There's always been people who are willing to take themselves not terribly seriously. And that goes to the biggest artist imaginable. I mean, think about uh, Garth Brooks did uh, It's Midnight Cinderella. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, Two of a Kind Working on a Full House is a a, a sort of a jokey, kind of funny song. This this is not unusual in country, really.
0: By mid 1995, he actually recorded the title track for Columbia Records, Running Wide Open, which is an album comprising NASCAR-themed songs by various artists. Uh, he issued two albums later in the year. Ugh, sorry. It's Christmas music, and I hate, hate, everybody that, that listens to our our December episodes know I hate Christmas music with a passion. And he put out a Christmas album. He titled, did. Titled Mr. Christmas. Yep. Sorry. And there was
2: a big big hit on that one. What was it called?
0: Leroy the Redneck Reindeer? Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yep.
2: It was a hit when it came out, and it was because it would get recurrent airplay around the Christmas holidays every year. Mm -hmm. It made the charts for a couple of years after it came out, actually.
0: Yeah, peaking at number 33 on its initial release and then re-entering the charts for the next two years based on Christmas airplay which is a thing and i hate it i hate i hate that they start christmas music the day after halloween stop it
2: well i mean you can walk into you can walk into most stores around where i live and they're already selling halloween candy but um so uh, his next that that was a a christmas album uh, his next full full-length studio album it was life so funny right
0: yeah which was the, another awesome song which is bigger than the beatles i love that song because that was
2: that was the lead single from life so funny
0: that's a really tongue-in-cheek song too because remember john lennon said that we're bigger than god and they him in trouble and people started like burning the beatles albums because they were sacrilegious and here's joe diffie coming in saying that he's bigger than the beatles which you know if you're taking a humorous look at that he's basically saying that he's bigger than god
2: there was uh, one reviewer said that bigger than the Beatles. Um, he he gave it a C minus rating, and he called it quote just a lame device to evoke the names of beloved rock heroes. <laughs> so, because yeah, there's a line in there. Um, they got a love bigger than the Beatles, wild and free like a Rolling Stone. Hmm. They got a love that takes them higher than the Eagles, right? So they managed to work in the Stones, the Eagles, and the Beatles in like three lines.
0: Yeah, and it should be it should be said that there are two other singles on this, which were C-O-U-N-T-R-Y and A Whole Lot of Gone, which was the B-side of Bigger Than the Beatles.
2: Yeah, and, and, and this is, um, you know, we've already talked about, you know, he's had a gold album and he's had a couple of platinum albums. This is getting a little later in the 90s, and, you know, Diffie's popularity, at least commercially, drops off just a hair at this point because – uh, Co, untry and whole lot of gone weren't huge hits.
0: I mean, they still did relatively well, like one hit twenty-three on the charts, but like not hitting number one right out the gate like they used to.
2: Yeah, and the album it, it doesn't, I, I think, doesn't go platinum, which is previous to had. I think it went gold, but it, it, it that didn't sell quite as big as the two predecessors had.
0: Yeah, but uh, like luckily, though, for him about this time, like movies and TV start catching on to his popularity. Right. And that's where Ford, you were asking which one before, Ford Motor Company used Pickup Man as their name. Okay. Female. She Ain't Coming Back uh, was the theme for one of my favorite movies of all time. It's probably in my top 10 films of all time, which is Twister. Oh,
4: jeez. Oh, wow.
0: So, where's Bill Paxton? And Diffie actually op, uh, acted opposite one of his idols in a TV movie, and that idol was... Johnny Cash.
2: Bag. Yep. Okay, so I, I know that you're a, a huge uh, fan of Twister. That's one of your uh, favorite movies. But you know, uh, Diffie did a song for that soundtrack, and then he did uh, an acting bit with one of his idols, Johnny Cash, in a TV movie. But um, he said that those pursuits did not really revive his creative spirit so he created third rock entertainment he said quote i was feeling a bit of staleness both in my career and my everyday life i felt like it was time to make some kind of move um some people thought that he quote wouldn't stick with running his own show business company uh but it has been good to me man i enjoy it i'm at the office every day it's been so refreshing and helped me in so many ways. I feel like I've got my finger on my own pulse. However, show business was not Diffie's only work. He also continued organizing events and raising money for First Steps, which um, is a, a charity, LD, I think that benefits children with both mental and physical disabilities.
0: Yeah, Diffie's son Tyler actually has Down syndrome, so that would make sense. Like it's yeah,
2: like, right. You know. and, and 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 he will mention uh, that a, a bit more here shortly. Uh, and in 1997, country radio broadcasters awarded Diffie uh, their humanitarian award for his years of charitable work. And we'll come back to this later. But something that he pretty much did throughout his entire career was to embrace the philanthropic side of things, which you know if you're like him and you've had, um, a, a, you know, a nice career and you have managed to make a uh, pretty nice coin and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's cool that you don't decide like, well, I'm going to buy 15 racehorses and 12 Porsches. You actually <laughs> take some of the money that you've got and you, you do good things with it, which it looks like he did pretty much throughout his career.
0: So I laugh and I joke about how last week was terrible or what's the opposite of laughing and joking that last week was terrible. But one thing that made it harder slash better was that I was actually doing a cherry scavenger hunt called uh GISH, the greatest international scavenger hunt. Right. Uh, that's actually, that's actually promoted by Misha Collins, who is an actor on the TV show supernatural. And he is, he has done incredible things with gish because every all the money that is made with get through gish goes to the charity random acts and yeah it has done so much stuff so like i will always respect someone who has taken that that road of philanthropy to help other people out when they're in a position like that to be able to help so
2: absolutely so so, so through all this Diffie took pretty much a year off from his music career, which is pretty unusual for somebody who's riding as high, you know, riding as high a crest as he was at that point. But um, he puts out the his seventh album. It's hard to um, imagine that it, he was up to number seven at that point, but he was. What the LD called uh, "Twice Upon a Life," uh, twice upon a time.
0: Yeah, it is twice yeah. upon a time. He was looking for songs that dealt with everything about being human, which I think is such a broad what's that word? Topic? Yes. Yeah. He was looking for songs that dealt with everything about being human, which makes me wonder, was he at this point not writing his own songs? Because that, that statement makes yeah, me that, Yeah,
2: that is. that's for, for somebody who was as good a songwriter as he is, you're right. That's a, a weird statement. to make. I'm looking for songs that dealt with everything about being human.
0: Yeah, which makes me wonder, like, that year off, was he also taking off from writing so he didn't have that, like, backlog that some people have of just yeah. new songs? I mean, um, he's also he's also running in pretty good songwriter circles.
2: Right. I'm sure he is. But Doug Verdon and Drew Womack, um, who then recorded on Epic in the band Sons of the Desert sang backing vocals on this album. And a lot of you're probably going, like, Well, who was Sons of the Desert? Um, they had a couple of country hits on their own. If you've ever heard the male background singers on I Hope You Dance by Leanne Womack that's yes. also Sons of the Desert yes yep that's her son- uh, that that is Sons of the Desert
0: uh fun fact about I Hope You Dance my mom will burn that CD for me every birthday that I have until the day that I die <laughs> every year oh, wow. she gives me a CD of of Leanne Womack's I Hope oh, You Dance it is called yeah. of that song I have like Thirty discs (laughs) with that song on it. Um, We're also starting to move into um, the age of the internet, where we're starting to get like file sharing, and you can start seeing. Yeah,
2: that that that's coming into being at this point. But um, one reviewer said once again, Diffie has successfully blended wit and heart with songs like "Houston, We Have a Problem." Um, Uh But everybody didn't love this album. The one review I just read had a a, a, you know fairly high opinion of. A couple of the songs, but I don't think, Eldie, that that every reviewer shared that. Does it doesn't sound like.
0: No, and the album, uh, if if I recall correctly, the album was actually a commercial disaster. It yeah. Did, it did not do. Like none of the singles made the top ten, which is nope. which is really really rare. I mean, it, the first. I think his first four albums scored number one hits, at least yeah. one track. So well,
2: but you think you go back and think to when we were talking about his first album, which had two number one hits, including the first single he ever released. Yeah, and then he puts this one out, and it, it songs like "This Is Your Brain," which was the leadoff single. It only got to number twenty five, and then something like this got to number forty.
0: Barely and the promised
2: land the only got to number 61, which was the lowest peaking single of Joe Diffie's career.
0: I mean, on the upside, there's no way to go other than up.
2: Right, and well, but the album didn't even um, make, did not even reach gold status. So his previous four had gone gold, platinum, platinum gold, and this one was a little bit of a commercial dud.
0: Yeah, and. And what's crazy is like there's the the song I Got a Feeling that had Tracy Lawrence on it. Yep. Which was on his nineteen ninety four album I See It Now.
2: Yeah, well well yeah. Well that um it had I Got a Feeling which that was on Tracy Lawrence's I See It Now album.
0: Yeah, but you think um, when you do a collab like that, like revamping it, you should get a carryover from Diffie fans and Lawrence fans.
2: You would think so, but that one, it, the the he just really didn't hit on much on that one. In mid-'98, Epic Records released Diffie's Greatest Hits package. So, a lot of times, Greatest Hits is almost a death nail. When it's like your record company thinks like, all right, well, we've gotten about all the good new stuff we can get out of this person. Let's uh, put out all the old crap and <laughs> okay. see if we can make a little money off of it.
0: I got two thoughts on this. I agree. Yeah. I agree with you partially, because I remember, I think, 1994, Mom bought me um, Fleetwood Mac's Greatest Hits.
2: Yeah.
0: Or This Is Fleetwood Mac or something like that, and so that I agree with you, but then I remember the Dixie Chicks also put one out, and that was in, like, 2003, Okay. that was when they were, like, they were already hitting it, so... I mean well it can go one easy. of the
2: biggest selling albums of all time is one of the two biggest selling albums in the history of music is The Eagles Greatest Hits. Yep. Like that and and Thriller obviously. So that that doesn't always mean like all right, well you've pretty much stiffed on doing new stuff, so let's just milk some of your old crap to make a few bucks. And, and that's not always the case, but you know, it, right here, this it's mid-1998, and Epic Records did put out Diffie's um, Greatest Hits package. But it had a couple of new cuts, which Greatest Hits albums normally do. One of those was Texas Size Heartache. So which good. actually got to number four on the charts. And then Poor Me, which only got to number 43, but I actually remember that one as being a pretty good song. Like, I, I, mean- I actually, I kind of liked Poor Me. Um, at the end of the year, Diffie recorded a cover of the Charlie Rich song, Behind Closed Doors. Of the multiple artist album a tribute to tradition on columbia records uh diffie's version of the song without any promotion and without any push from his record company actually got to number 64 based on completely unsolicited airplay wow Which was pretty impressive so there's there's like no promotional arm behind that at all and it was still a, a moderate hit um he also contributed to another cut on that album Um, and then Same Old Train, which featured Marty Stewart and 11 other country music singers, is a song he contributed to. It peaked at number 59 on the uh, country charts, but it won the 1999 Grammy Award for Best Country Collaboration with Vocals.
0: Now, see, I'm curious about that, because is there a country collaboration without vocals, Grammy?
2: (laughs) It's just, it's it's 15 people playing a mandolin. (laughs) Uh, or something
0: it's got I a, don't know. a juice harp you have to have a juice harp and a washboard
2: right and a washboard um, so, uh, I, I'm actually I actually do know this song uh, and it's a really good song and I I, I remember it was a, a, a thing Marty Stewart put together but it's him and a bunch of other people Joe Diffie being one of them and it, and it won a Grammy and I believe now he'd won a CMA award I think this was his first Grammy
0: yeah because he was nominated before with uh, Mary Chapin
2: so I think his, his final album with Epic is coming up at this point, right?
0: Yeah, it's A Night to Remember in 1999. As he did with all the new cuts for his greatest hits, he worked with producer Don Cook and Lonnie Wilson, a friend of Diffie's, who worked primarily as a session drummer and a songwriter. And he was <laughs> he formally fronted the band Bandana. To this credit, it's been 29 weeks on the country chart, peaking at number six. Yeah. It's only top 40 on the Hot 100 where it reached 38.
2: So really, in terms of the pop charts, this was his one hit. This, yes. this is this is Joe Diffie's the one hit wonder on the pop chart because obviously he had a ton of country hits, but on the pop charts, this is the one hit wonder. Joe Diffie's one hit, right?
0: Uh, Not no. Remember? No, because
2: it's what? the only one that made the top forty on the pop charts.
0: was it the pop chart? Yeah. For some reason, yep. pop, oh, it was on Billboard's 100, is what I'm thinking of. The, the, yeah.
2: the Billboard Hot 100, yeah. So that, it, that this is his one song that cracked the top 40 of the pop charts, actually.
0: Yeah, which is 38. And, I mean, that's that's respectable. There are some yep. people we've talked about that that's the highest that that's higher than they ever charted. So right after that came Quit and Kind," and it's always something which, respectfully, 21 on the country charts and 90 and 57 on the Hot 100, and later spent 37 weeks on the country music chart the longest chart run achieved by any of his singles. So like, this was massive for him. Yeah. And this one, he actually got positive reviews.
2: Yep. Uh, Country Standard Time gave uh, the album a positive review uh, saying, quote, nary a novelty tune in the bunch. Uh, Nash wrote that it had a "quote" surprising depth of feeling. Uh, with uh, one other reviewer noting that the album did not contain any novelty songs, and said it is "quote" the purest country album Diffie's ever made.
0: Which I mean, yeah, grow as an artist, but man, remember what got you there? Sure. I need me a prop me up beside the jukebox.
2: Yeah. Oh, sure. But I mean, but he had a a, a more serious side too. He would always kind of toggle between the kind of funny. Cool, Quasi novelty song and the you know the big serious country ballad. So uh, this was it wasn't like out of character for it necessarily. Yeah. So in 2001, something kind of weird happened. Sony Nashville transferred Diffie from its Epic division to the Monument Records division due to a corporate decision, (laughs) just sort of randomly that Epic had too many artists and Monument had too few.
0: Now this being said, like that from what I understand when it comes to like record labels and such, when you have a conglomerate like Sony Epic Capitol, Monument, when you have all these like multiple things, you could be seen as a monopoly.
2: Yeah. So Diffie's only album for Monument was titled In Another World. Regarding this album, Diffie told Billboard that its material had a common theme of love and that he wanted to create a more contemporary sound through the production. Uh, The album's title track peaked at number 10 on the country charts and number 66 on the Billboard Pop Hot 100. Only one other single was released from the album, that being This Pretender, which was co-written by Gary Laveau from Rascal Flatts. I love Rascal Flatts. It actually failed to make the top 40, which is one of the few singles Diffie released that didn't make the country top 40.
0: Which is crazy because, I mean, now we look back, Rascal Flatts is huge.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you would think Gary Laveau writes one. I, I, it, it would probably be a hit, but that one really wasn't. Yeah. Uh, in, in Another World received mixed reviews. Country Weekly reviewers wrote that Diffie, quote, deals with adult emotions and described the title track as, quote, a shimmering ballad perfect for his expressive tenor. Uh, William Ruhlman called the album, quote, sturdy formula country. And Jeffrey B. Wrens of Country Standard Time said that, quote, he easily interprets the songs, but he doesn't seem to be doing anything too dramatically different. Uh, after Monument closed its national branch, Diffie began touring with Mark Chestnut and Tracy Lawrence, a couple of other, you know, big uh, stars from the 90s, on the Rocking Roadhouse tour, which started in 2002. Diffie was I... inducted into the Oklahoma Music Hall of Fame. Hmm.
0: I, for some reason, I vaguely remember that tour.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, Chestnut and Tracy Lawrence were both a, a pretty big deal, too, around the same time that Diffie was. So that was his last album for Monument. Where, where did he go after that?
0: After Monument, uh, he got inducted into the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, like you said. Right. But he, he signed to an independent record company, which can have its its pros and its cons Doing doing the independent record. Thing because you're not going to get as much shelf space as you would if you were with Epic or Capital or Sony. Or no. like that. So, uh, but he went. But, with, but with you
2: the, perhaps get a little bit more artistic freedom. Usually, yeah,
0: you get you get more freedom to do what you want. Which I don't think Diffie ever really ran into that problem of kind of being shackled to one thing. Um, I think he kind of always had the freedom to do what he want because right out the gate he was he was a proven singer songwriter so i don't think he actually had that kind of issue but he he signed with broken bow records in 2003 and his only album for that label was tougher than nails which uh, wilson and he produced with buddy Cannon, and that included five songs that Diffie co-wrote as well as a duet with george jones huh so he actually gets to work with george jones
2: yeah and what was the name of the song they did
0: <laughs> what would wayland do awesome. which is a great
2: yeah. Great! You get you get to sing about Waylon with George Jones. You've you've essentially reached country nirvana at that
0: point. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I actually think there's probably a, a a level for that, like hanging out with Garth uh, Brooks, burning one with John Prine, and then actually singing about Waylon Jennings with George Jones. Yeah, the the only top part is actually being Waylon Jennings. It's kind of like <laughs> Buddha.
4: Yeah. Is
0: unattainable, yeah. It is unattainable only by those who are actually Wayland Jennings. Um, it had a top 20 hit in its title track, which was right. tougher than nails, followed by If I Could Only Bring You Back, which was number like it, it peaked at number 50. And it only spent eight weeks on the charts. I mean, yeah, it only spent eight weeks on the charts, but it spent eight weeks on the charts, sure. Uh, the latter song was also his last charting single. And with that review, it was said that there's nothing new, but there doesn't need to be. And I kind of like that. <laughs> no, no, yeah,
2: you know, I like that. Country Standard Tom said about that album, uh, it quote, shows that he's still got the talents that took him to stardom in the first place. So, so both of those sort of acknowledge like, hey, you know, Diffie, uh, he's always been good and this album is good like the other ones are yeah That's kind of what I have what I take from
0: that he's not doing anything that is revolutionary, but he's still maintaining a good quality sound yeah. and I mean I think there's something to be said with that. He didn't you know thus far other than like the splashy tabloid pages about him having an affair right like he's he doesn't seem to have fallen into the trappings of other artists, which you know seem to be the drinking and the drugs right and so i mean i think he's done pretty well at this point he is what he was born in 58
2: he's he's in his 40s at this point yeah
0: yeah so i mean he's done i feel like he's done pretty good i'm sure he stayed and
2: and and he keeps doing well because with the the thing you forget about sometimes with artists like this well that that single didn't do great yeah, but you know what? He's still writing songs. Oh, yeah. And and uh in 05, Jody Messina released a song he wrote called uh, My Give a Dam's Busted.
0: <laughs>
4: and
2: that one actually that one actually went to number one on the I country systems.
0: I did not know he wrote that until I was doing the research on this.
2: Yeah. So a good so he's continuing to have success and er- ergo make money.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: By, by writing by writing songs that are big hits for other artists.
0: Yeah, and he actually ended up leaving Broken Bow, but he continued to work. Uh,
2: Okay, so he gets into a cycle that a lot of country artists get into at this point when they're uh, not necessarily a huge name anymore, and that's he hits what you would consider sort of the fair circuit. Yeah. You play, you play county fairs, you play country fairs, you play state fairs. You play lots of concerts where people are watching pygmy goats race and eat elephant ears.
0: There's nothing wrong with Peter and there's nothing wrong with that.
2: There's not. There's really
0: not. But you know what? I saw my first concert at like my first real concert at a county fair, which was who was that? Who did the trashies? I like my women just a little longer. Confederate Railroad. Yes, yeah. Confederate Railroad was the first concert I ever went oh, to. Oh wow!
2: Okay, at a country at a at like a country fair.
0: It was at the county. It was at the county fair. I think it was the. Pickens County Fair, if I'm, oh wow, okay. If I'm not mistaken, but yeah, I mean like Lone Star, Charlie Daniels, God rest his soul, he just passed, and Craig Morgan, uh, he joined up with all them to perform a benefit concert for Sergeant Kevin Downs, a soldier who was severely wounded in Iraq.
2: But this is also kind of keeps up what he had started that we've already talked about a little bit is that he is at this point giving his time to raising money for worthy causes. Yeah. From 92 until 2000, uh, into the 2000s, in fact, he held uh, charity concerts and a golf tournament Benefiting First Steps, which we talked about earlier, a nonprofit organization for the education of mentally and physically impaired children. His contributions to this organization won him a humanitarian award from the country radio broadcasters of America in 97. And, And I know that that, calls in particular was was sort of a personal one for him right
0: yeah because in 89 before he he even struck it big uh his son tyler was actually born with down syndrome yeah so i could see why that would be really close to his heart sure so diffie was quoted in saying i was just devastated i heard downs and thought the world had ended However, Diffie embraced the role as the father of a special needs child.
2: But it also kind of became a touchstone for his fans.
0: And Wonderful. and kind
2: of a cool no. thing was that he his a lot of his fans who had Down syndrome children started bringing them to his their con- his concerts with them.
0: That is awesome.
2: Yeah. And he said, quote, Tyler is a beautiful child. I couldn't be prouder. Yeah. Um. So in, in '08, he compiled and released a live album. And he signed with Rounder Records uh, later that year. Uh, Rounder, um I think, primarily deals with bluegrass music. So this is kind of represented him going back to his roots because we talked seven hours ago about the fact that <laughs> uh, that he played with um his early bands. You know, when he played with his dad, who played with, like the fiddle and stuff. Oh, and
0: special he, edition! It was special. Yeah, and played edition. with
2: his aunt and played with some of the. But but the his earliest influences were gospel and bluegrass. So if right. he goes to Rounder. Which is probably best known for being, I think, the longtime home of Alison Krauss, which is a bluegrass album, and he actually did a kind of bluegrassy record.
0: No, but his first one was the Ultimate Collection, which was just the re-recordings from his his hits from Epic. He, yeah, he just re-recorded his old stuff. Stop it! You're you're brilliant. Put out yeah. stuff.
2: <laughs> well, you know, there's there's a there's uh, sometimes artists have contractual things where it's like. Well, I want to put out an, uh, my Greatest Hits album, but I was on three different labels over the course of my career, and I can't get the rights from all those different places, right? I, I, this is not uncommon. If you buy Styx's Greatest Hits, Lady is not the original version. They they had to re-record it because some little label that they was the first one they were on put that single out, and wouldn't give up the rights to the song but they it was it was okay if they re-recorded it but there's there's a contractual thing with certain people where it's like okay well i want to do like a career retrospective greatest hits album but i was on three different labels over the course of my career and they won't i don't own the rights to certain songs and they won't release this uh, label won't release these songs for me to do so but if i just re-record the songs then I can do it that way. They can't stop me from just doing the song exactly the same way I did when I recorded it for them. It, it's, it's a, it's a weird little out sort of, but then he did homecoming, the bluegrass album. And this is when he kind of gets back to his roots, right?
0: Now this is, this is 2010. So we're yeah. getting real close to the present.
2: Right. But he did the, 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 the homecoming bluegrass album. He uh, collaborated with, Uh, ronda vincent and the graskles a couple of titans of bluegrass music pretty much um and then uh this point diffie toured at uh, various county fairs in august of 2010 in support of this bluegrass album he co-produced the album with luke wooten and included the song tennessee tea which diffie originally recorded while he was uh, in the group special edition
4: Oh, Cheese, trackers.
2: All Music reviewer, Jay Poet said this album was positive. He 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 had a good impression of it. So, he still had the critics at this point even if he wasn't getting airplay It sounded like. You know, when we did the uh, the other week when we uh did our episode on John Prime, we talked about the fact that later in his career, he had a little bit of a rebirth because there were younger artists who were influenced by him who would talk him up on stage who would mention him, they would cover his songs. Casey Musgraves actually had a song called Burn One with John Braun," And as it turned out, Joe Disci had something very similar happen, right?
0: Well, that was Jason Aldean, who is massive. Yep. In 2012, he wrote the song, well, he recorded the song, 1994. And that was actually released in 2013. So it was released a year later. Yeah. Third singer from Aldean's Night Train. And it name drops Diffie and incorporates several of his song titles into the lyrics. So,
2: so at the, so at this point in 2013, Al, Jason Aldean is about as big as you get in country music. And he puts out this song, 1994 that name drops Diffie and it mentions a bunch of his songs. So again, if you're, you're Joe Diffie, you haven't had a hit at this point in a really long time. And one of the biggest artists of the era I, I mean, I think it's safe to say that about Aldine relative to the t- 20 teens, puts out a song that, that mentions your name and references a bunch of your songs. Uh, that's a big deal.
0: Because it, it actually mentions Pick Up Man, A Night to Remember, Honky Tonk Attitude.
2: Yep. The one thing I actually thought was funny, even though I don't particularly love that song by Aldane, this was not long after Teach Me How to Doogie comes out, right? Yeah. so one, one of the dancers in this video is wearing a, a T-shirt that says, teach me how to Diffy," which, which is, is pretty funny.
0: It's funny also because, like, if you know how Joe Diffie dances, he doesn't yeah. actually dance. He kind of, like, shakes.
2: <laughs> yeah. It, it wasn't just that Aldine was in it. There, Almost every big act of that era was in it kind of putting their stamp of approval on it. Luke Bryan. Lady A. Yep.
0: And I don't care what anybody says. I actually love Florida Georgia line. Yeah. I love them. I think they're fun.
2: And why don't you go ahead and 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 uh, rip off some of the, the lyrics for us on that one.
0: Okay. <clears throat> I'll do my, my best interpretive Okay, reading. Joe Diffie coming out of my radio. I'm just a country boy with a farmer's tan. So help me, girl. I'll be your pickup, man. How about A Night to Remember and A Fifth of Goose? And I think they're talking about Grey Goose, if you're wondering. Uh, what? About to bust out my honky-tonk attitude and a little feel-good you ain't never felt before. I'm talking 1994. Hey, Joe. Joe. Joe Diffie. Joe. Joe. Joe Diffie. Joe. Joe, Joe Diffie, girl, don't you worry now, because your ship just came in, so go tell your mama, tell all your friends, that your new favorite color is John Deere Green, hop in this truck, a.k.a. Time Machines.
2: So that reference is like, seriously, what, like like 10 different Joe Diffie songs, <laughs> since it don't come in, so help me girl, Uh, John Deere, John Deere Green, Green
0: time a ton machine. of them. Yeah. Uh, Pick Up Man, A uh, Night to Remember, Hunky God
2: Again, not my favorite song necessarily, but it kind of throws the spotlight back on Joe Diffie to younger audiences who maybe were not tremendously familiar with him, but they became familiar with him. Yeah. Um, Diffie said, quote, it was a nice shot in the arm, and it's amazing to me the impact that it's had. A lot of fans are coming to my shows now to see who that dude is that Jason and Thomas are talking about, Diffie said, noting that Thomas co-wrote the song and often plays it in his shows. He said, quote, the really amazing thing is the fans know every song that I sing. We'll go to a place and there'll be a bunch of younger people and they'll know every single word. Obviously, they've gone back and done some research or downloaded something. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and now um,
0: that 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 then, and I think I think certain artists from the days of yore, and by that I mean nineteen ninety four, uh, really do benefit from streaming services like Spotify and iHeartRadio and Pandora, yeah. because if you say, oh, I like Jason Aldean, it might actually just start looping you into Joe Diffie, so you yeah. have these like millennials who are streaming this stuff that may have never heard this before, that are getting exposed to it now.
2: Right. Well, later in the year, Diffie collaborated with a couple of his, I would say, kind of uh, early 90s stars, Aaron Tippin and uh, Sammy Kershaw, oh
0: my God, for the right. album,
2: All in the Same Boat. And they cut the single Girl Riding Shotgun with D-Thrash of the Joga Boys. Um, hmm. I have no idea who that is, but I hope I said your name correctly. That was followed in 2019 by a vinyl album called Joe Joe. Joe Diffie, the title obviously inspired by the Jason Aldean song,
0: which is just such a great, you know, snake eating the snake's tail. <laughs> yeah. That. Uh, um, can we also so just it's, say it's, that that through his life, Diffie was married four times. Yep. So he had Janice Parker. That's his married, first one, and he he married in college. I think it was 1977. Right. And then they had two children, Parker and Kara, sure. and then they divorced in 1986, and then Parker. Diffie later worked as Diffie's on-road manager in the mid 2000s.
2: Yeah, so his his one of his son Parker was his one of his road managers. Yeah, which is pretty cool that he he's got kind of a family affair going on on uh, on the road,
0: which is awesome. Yeah, uh, and in the mid 2010s or the aughts, I guess uh, he and Kara auditioned for American Idol, which that's a couple years before I actually came on the show. So right. I came in season fourteen. I think they came in prior. So uh two years after divorcing Janice, uh, he married Debbie, a nurse technician, and they had two yeah. sons, Drew and Tyler. Yeah. And then in two thousand, Diffie married Teresa, who he met at a concert at the Opryland Hotel in Nashville. So they had a daughter, Kylie, who was born in two thousand four and they divorced in 2017, and then Diffie married Tara, okay, I'm going to butcher this last, Turpening.
2: I at, think that's right.
0: Actually. At the Musicians Hall of Fame in Nashville in 2018. Um, and she's a little cutie, I will say. I've seen her do interviews. Yeah. She's just a little cutie.
2: At, at a little bit after this, he gets into radio, right, in a different way than he had previously.
0: Yeah, he, was, uh, he actually took your job which was KXBL midday radio host. So he would record his show from Nashville and he'd also do it on the road as he toured, which is, yeah, that's kind of podcasting. Hmm.
2: <laughs> so, so yeah, sort of, he was voice tracking, but yeah, it's it just, it's it's sort of like podcasting except on the radio, <laughs> but, Probably but like it music. was, that was kind of a, a homecoming for him to be on that particular radio station. Right.
0: Yeah. Diffie actually recalled the first time that he ever actually heard his own song on the radio was big country sister station K V O O. So that's kind of cool. I mean, I can yeah. I can imagine what it's like hearing your song on the radio for the first time.
2: Yeah. Um, he actually said about that quote, when they played home, um, which was one of his early songs, that's when it hit me that I was on my way. If said, I've wanted to try my hand at voice work for a while now. So when Big Country approved me to host, it seemed like the perfect time and the perfect place. It's even better that they're allowing me to do it remotely so I can continue to tour as much as ever, whether I'm at home in Nashville or on the road. It's so awesome to know that my mom and my family back home can listen to me every day.
0: Yeah, but that changes like that.
2: Yeah, and we're unfortunately now at the the point where we are inevitably in every one of these episodes. Um,
0: which was on, where
2: we're, we're up to 2020 and we know what the series we're doing right now is about.
0: Which, so. yeah, on, on March 27th, Diffie made a clear announcement on his Instagram that he was suffering from the coronavirus, which this is er, like, this is
2: early, yeah.
0: early because we, we had just started hearing about, like, we weren't in lockdown yet. We didn't have to wear masks or anything yet. Like no, The
2: NCAA tournament was delayed at this point and not canceled and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, but he, he made that announcement that he was suffering from the coronavirus. He wrote, I'm under the care of medical professionals and currently receiving treatment after testing positive for coronavirus, which is COVID-19. My family and I are asking for privacy at this time. Uh, we want to remind the public and all my fans to be vigilant, cautious, and careful during this pandemic. Two days later, he passed away from complications of the disease. He left behind a wife and five children, the youngest who was born in 2004.
2: Yeah. Um, Not surprisingly, the tributes poured in from uh, fellow artist. Al Dane shared a tribute to Diffie by posting the cover of the singer's second studio album, Regular Joe, on Twitter. Uh, He said, uh, quote, man, what a, re- a week, Kenny Rogers and now Joe Diffie. And, yeah, it's it's easy to forget that those two died the same week.
0: And it's also, like, I remember seeing the Twitter feed yeah. up and thinking, oh, my God, this is the first high-profile person that's passed right. of COVID-19. Like, Diffie um, was the first.
2: Yeah, yeah he really was. Al Dean captioned the photo quote this guy was an amazing singer and an even greater person such a sad week for the country music world Brad Paisley tweeted quote I'm devastated by the loss of my friend Joe Diffie I can't find adequate words but the records he made that voice the twinkle in his eye and our memories cannot be taken away by this disease Travis Stritt who toured with Diffie uh, in the 90s posted a photo on Instagram picturing the two performing together He said, quote, we had a lot of great times together, both on stage and off stage. This is one of my favorite photos of Joe Diffie and me on stage together. This photo hangs in my office to this day. Hashtag RIP Joe Diffie. I'll never forget you. Uh, Keith Urban wrote, uh, quote, can't believe the news about Joe Diffie. My heart breaks for your family and friends and fans. Count me right in there, too. You were the real deal. Uh, And Toby Keith said, we are feeling it now. Oklahoma boy Joe Diffie has passed away from this virus. My kids grew up around his parents. My prayers will be with his family. A great traditional voice will live on, uh, because I'm putting this music on now. Here's a beer to you, Joe. Go get your reward. And then if if you haven't seen this, go ahead and get some Kleenex. (laughs) Diffie's daughter, Kara, uh, turned to social media on thursday april 2nd to honor the life and legacy of her father in song singing an acapella version of his debut single home complete gut punch if you haven't seen that yet
0: yeah and check out our facebook page i will try to link that up i'll try to, to grab a link from that so that you can you can all check that out and we can all be destroyed together
2: so yeah. so joe diffie passes very sad you know that's a time where we everybody kind of look back and you think about where you were when you heard his songs and uh, all the nostalgic stuff. And then we get into some, I'm trying to think of a nice way to say really stupid bullshit, but there's not a nice way to say that. So, why don't you go ahead and lay out the, the the last of that?
0: Because after he died, these conspiracy theories start to pop up that he had to die of something other than COVID-19 because there has been like a, a group of people. I think it's QAnon or something that are saying that people are, you know, they'll die in a car accident and then they'll get, they'll, their cause of death will be COVID 19. Just right. to boost the numbers. But who's getting paid in this? Like, who's making you every good conspiracy theory, you need to follow the money. Yeah. And that just is not the case there. So they became so persistent that his family had to come out and say something about them. In a post on Instagram, his widow Tara calling the reports that he died of anything but the coronavirus fake news, which is, like, tossing it back to, like, the other side using, like, their terminology. Right. I've seen multiple posts, and it's upsetting all of us. And you have to think, like, yes, if you're... if if someone is in the news and they're like, you guys are lying about his cause of death. That is so, cause you're already dealing with the death you, of a loved one. You're, you're
2: If you're her, anxious. you're if you're her, you're grieving the death of your husband. Your husband just died. Your spouse is dead. And people are like, well, you know, he didn't really die from that. Uh, can you imagine having to deal with anything like that?
0: That's it's horrible. No, I hate, I, like, I hate, I hate thinking that they had to go through that. And the other thing was that, They were reporting his death so that they could boost funding. So not only are they saying, oh, you're lying about what he died of, they're also saying you're lying what he died of to make money. Right. Like, oh, cheese and crackers. And then they also said that he he died of lung cancer. And, And
2: his widow dealt with that pretty directly, right?
0: Oh, yeah. She was like, his father had the same name. He was the one that passed in 2018 to lung cancer. That is that. So if you go look on Joe Diffie's so, obituary, it tells you he died of lung. So
2: cancer. so basically, dumb people who couldn't who just Googled Joe Diffie death and thought, oh look, he died of lung cancer. Well, yep. if you'd read like two sentences later, you would have seen that the age was wrong. The the, the uh, year was date wrong. Date of birth and death was wrong. The age was incorrect. <laughs>
0: And the Strike, picture probably looks sort of like him, but not exactly.
2: Right. right, but that's just that's ridiculous. But
0: but it got so bad that the website Snopes had to do an investigation. Do you know Jeez. how? Do you know how far-reaching something has to be to end up on Snopes? Like we're yeah. talking about the same. We're talking about the same website that had to investigate whether or not the woman Jill was it Jill Jill St. John oh. whether or not she died. During shooting the Bond, because they painted her gold, and her skin couldn't breathe. Right. Like, like this is the website, and then they had to label it false because
2: because it's because it's stupid.
0: It's stupid. <laughs> Stop spreading misinformation.
2: I know that that's ridiculous, it's, especially if, right in the wake of somebody dying. It's like if you could try to be a human being and remember that there are people who are grieving because loved ones died, and you could not make up stupid crap like that. That would be great so so snopes ends up marking that as completely false yeah and, and and i guess that kind of goes away until we actually started looking into this ld i didn't realize that there was a conspiracy uh, theory angle at all that was the i i would kind of missed that and i'm glad i did
0: yeah oh yeah i mean well that's the thing with like that's not just related to joe diffie that is to most of the coronavirus it's like oh, Dr. Fauci is lying about masks so he can sell the, the masks from China. So that
4: right.
0: we we'll, like, no, shut up. Wear your mask. Yeah, right. Put your mask on. I get so, I get angry about mm. this. As I calm myself down, um, Diffie was remembered in many tribute stories for the wit and humor that he brought to many of his songs. I mean, we've talked about that. Like sure. the, uh, John Deere Green, Third Rock from the Sun. Third Rock from the Sun tells a great story. I love it. But a lot of people remembered him for his wit and his humor and his mullet, and which I think he was still sporting when he passed away.
2: Uh, like okay, uh, we have to we we have not discussed uh, Joe Diffie's hair, and that needs to come up
0: now. <laughs> so
2: I, I have to say that that is one of the most lustrous Alabama waterfalls I've probably ever seen.
0: It is it is a stunning mullet. That
2: was full on business in the front and a gigantic party in the back.
0: That was not um, a party in the back. That was like a 1999 rave in the back. Yes. And it this was. is like a Fortune 500 company in the front. It,
2: that was like he would have fit like fit right in on on the 1987 roster of the Detroit Red Wings. I mean, that is a hockey quality mullet. <laughs> oh, is,
0: come on. That's at least It's better than,
2: you know what? You know what? I'm going to make a bold pass. statement. I'm going to make a bold statement right now. He had a better mullet than Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh. There, I said it.
0: Oh, Oof. but did, did he have a better mullet than Keith Hernandez, nineteen eighty six?
2: Well, no, I mean, now you, no, let's not be ridiculous. <laughs> but, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, but I mean, in, in the pantheon of mullets, I mean, I'm not saying that that Joe Diffie would have won the Heisman Trophy of mullets. I am saying he would. He was probably an All American.
0: Yep. Well, I will say this. One of his biggest hits was "Prop Me Up Beside the Jukebox If I Die." Yep, I think that is the absolute most appropriate way to end this episode. <laughs> I can't. There's there's literally nothing else I can even think of us ending on. So uh, I'll just give out our social stuff and then we will close out, Mr. Diffie, who by all accounts just seems like a great songwriter, a talented singer. And one hell of a guy. Yep. So if you guys think we're doing awesome and you want to give us money, uh, although you... we
2: kind of doubt it after today,
0: <laughs> yeah. probably not. We're in hour thirteen of recording this podcast.
2: Um, <laughs> it has taken us longer to record this episode than it did Jerry Lewis to do a telethon on a <laughs> day.
0: Well, we can have our own mini telethon <laughs> at, at Patreon.com backslash Rock and Roll Heaven. You can find us on Twitter at Rock and Roll Heaven LT, our Instagram, Rock and Roll Heaven LT, Facebook, Rock and Roll Heaven Pod. Still not saying our website. You can email me all of your complaints about today's episode at rock and LT at gmail.com. Uh, and all this information will be in our show notes if I went too fast. Please check out all the other awesome podcasts on the Pantheon Network at rock and rollarchaeology.com. Uh, again, my many thanks to TJ Two and Mr. Will the Thrill, who's been pretty quiet the last part. I think he's tired.
3: I was watching the show. You guys were, <laughs> we're just running with that, so I was it, taking
0: it all in. It was a lot. It was a lot.
2: Your I'm, mother.
0: I'm gonna say, like, I don't know if my uh, my computer has this much memory, mm. so
2: probably it probably doesn't. Half, <laughs> half this is gone lost. It's lost <laughs> to time of memoriam.
0: which perhaps is for the best. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So uh, here we go with Prop Me Up Beside the Jukebox, If I Die. God bless you, Joe Diffie. We're going to miss you.
3: Thank you, Joe.
5: Well, I ain't afraid of dying. It's the thought of being dead. I want to go on being me once my eulogy's been read. Don't spread my ashes out to sea, don't lay me down to rest You can put my mind at ease if you fill my last request Prop me up beside the jukebox if I die Lord, I wanna go 92%
3: not just bikes we also make treadmills and rowers. oh let me guess for elite athletes only right nope it doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals 92 percent stick with it so can you try peloton bikes tread or row risk-free with a 30-day home trial new members only not available in remote locations see additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial
2: and now another no-brainer money-saving tip from progressive that doesn't sound good
4: paper shredders jammed but i think i fixed it
5: oh well try shredding these 50
3: dollars bills
2: then seems like it's working Mm, better try another 400 bucks instead of using money use regular paper and here's a better tip from progressive on how not to waste money don't pay too much for car insurance drivers who switch and save could save hundreds progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates potential savings will vary